You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. That everybody should stand up at the chuppah uh, when the chosen and kala come. Is there a real source to that? So Ravelsky says that there really is not a real source for it in Chazal. But since it's become the custom that everybody stands up, you don't have to be the, the one who the, the sticks out and says, I'm not standing. What are some of the reasons? Some say because a chosen is domel melech. Well, if it's about the chosen being domel melech, which is mentioned in the Perka the Rebelezer, then it's the chosen you have to stand for, not the kala. It never says a kala is like a queen. And we never find that if someone, if there is a queen, that there's somehow a mitzvah of covet to her. If she's not running the country, that people have to stand up for her. Now, it could be that you have to treat her like the Gemara talks about, Eishas chover kechover. At Tamil Chacham, you have to treat his wife with respect. Like the Gemara speaks about Rafuna's wife. Um, Rabelsky feels that even if you want to say that's the reason why we're standing in front of them, because they're like a king and queen, then why don't people stand up for the Chosen and Kala during the Sheva Brachas? Because the chassan, we know, doesn't do malacha for seven days. We treat him like a melech, yes. So why why don't people stand up for him at Sheva Brachas? Also, we know when it comes to a king, you need to stand up from the moment you see him till he's no, you, he's no longer visible. And that's not the, what we do. We just wait for him to pass. So clearly... This din of melech, whatever it means, doesn't mean you have to stand up. Some have said the reason why you stand up for the chassan when he's on his way to the chuppah is based on the Mishnah in Bikurim that's quoted in the Gemara in Kedushin. The Gemara says that Chaviva Mitzvah Bishaita, the Gemara says based on the halach of the Mishnah, that when a mitzvah is being done at its right moment, we love that. Because what happens, even people that have jobs, that when they stand up, they are in a sense stealing a parnosa from the guy, the people they're working for. They are supposed to stand up when the people who bring bikurim, they're, they're sitting in this machine shop, they're sitting there raking leaves, whatever their job is. They're gardeners. But when the people bring Bikurim march through town on the way to Yerushalayim bringing those baskets, they're supposed to stop their work and stand up. So if that's true, you could say the person who's on his way to the chuppah is about to do an important mitzvah. One of the most important mitzvahs that we have of getting married in Peru So according to that, you have to stand for the kala as well. And you have to stand for both of them. Um, now, because they're both doing a mitzvah. 
Now, now if you're standing in front of the chosen, obviously you have to stand when the kala comes down with her parents or whoever is taking her. So that's a nice proof, the idea of standing up. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky would stand up. And you can see the way Rav, uh, Belsky refers to him. Ryakov Kamenetsky was a Rosh Hashiva in Tayyar Vedas. And um, when he retired, there was a whole, this machlokas about who should take the yeshiva over after him. And um, my Rebbe was the one that Rabbi Yaakov wanted to take over the yeshiva. And because of the machlokas and other things, um, it was always a very bitter situation. I don't know in that case whether Rav Belsky was siding with Rabbi Yaakov or not. Um, But I do know that uh, you don't say kadosh on everybody. And you can see what... Ravelsky refers to him as Zechard Tzadik Vikadosh Levrocha. I was Ocha to be with Rabbi Yaakov a, a, a number of times, and I saw greatness and humility from him, and uh, I, I count myself very Mavurach to have seen Rabbi Yaakov and been with Rabbi Yaakov often. Rav Moshe Feinstein also, but Rabbi Yaakov stood up. Rav Moshe didn't. So if you don't want to stand up, you could follow Rav Moshe Feinstein. But if everybody in the shul is standing up, as we say, you need to honor the tzibur that you're with. And don't act like you're the guy that knows I'm a Rav Moshe person. I'm not standing up. And therefore, it's important. And that was part of what, um, you know, again, that's part of what Rav David Feinstein, Zatzal, that we've been talking about, Zadik, I'm going to say Kodosh and Rav David as well, because he... If you hear the stories of Rabbi Feinstein, you're also going to say a kadosh. He also did not want to be the the thumb that stuck out. If everybody else, it's easy to and you draw attention to yourself, and therefore it's probably worth just um, standing up. We know that um, when the kala comes, the singer again Moshe. I'm not sure if you do this in, in by the Sfardim. But by us, by the Ashkenazim, they, they sing Brucha Ba'a. They do that, they do that for the, in, in the Sephardi Chatunas also, that there's Brucha Ba'a or, or things like that when the Kawa comes. Baruch Ba'a, they say when the, um, when the Chosen is there. But there's another thing, Brucha Ba'a, when the Kawa comes. Um, I have seen it. Ravelsky felt that it's something that was new. He never, he, he did some research. He didn't find him and hug him to sing a special song that the Kala has arrived. However, he says it's not a lack of tznius to sing it. Everybody sees the Kala going. Um, everybody watches the Kala in the, in the old times and in, in the Mishnaic times. It wasn't just at the wedding hall there would be a whole procession through the street of people following the Kala. So 
But you can't say, oh, look how unsneezed it is. We're making a song about her. Everybody knows that she's coming, etc. So if the, he says, I don't remember it happening, maybe it's an American meaning to sing Brucha Ba to be egalitarian. But if it's already become a minig, Ravelsky doesn't feel it's worthwhile changing it. One of the things when I was a Masader Kedushin that I was mocked on was to make sure that the Adim see the Kala's face. Um, and we know many Kalos come down uh, to the Chuppah with a veil over their face. So do you need, does the Masader Kedushan need to make sure that they uncover the Kala's face in order for them to see that it's definitely this woman? Now, I was mocked to do this, um, but let's take a look and see. The Ramah says that you covered, the Kala goes down to the Chuppah and stays there with her face totally covered. What was the reason why? If you look into the Ramah in the Dark Emosha, what he it's not just, oh, we want the Kalas, we don't want anyone staring at them. The reason is because of the Kedushan that's being given to her. Because we don't want her to imagine that the ring is worth more than it really is. And this way, she might not really be agreeing. So, you ask the Adim, is this worth a Shavapruta? She's not looking at it. She's not imagining it. That's why her face is covered, so she's not really seeing the ring and getting enamored from it. So when she hears the witnesses say it's worth a pruta. She says, I don't know what it looks like exactly, but I guess it's a pruta. So she accepts it. Whereas if she sees it, she might think that it's the biggest platinum uh, ring that's worth so much. So by covering her face, you actually are making sure that she's accepting it. She could be imagining it that it's a beautiful ring, but when she hears the words, uh, Adam, is this worth a pruta? Yes, it's worth a pruta. That's all. And this way, by if she would be looking at it, it might generate problems. Now, it turns out then that according to the Ramah, the Adam never see her face. So are you sure? You're Adis. You didn't really see her. You thought it was Yaakov marrying Leah or Yaakov marrying Rachel. Maybe it was really Leah. How do you know? So some say, according to the Ramah, even the Ramah meant she, she flips the veil open at least for a second. Ravelsky says, even though that's what the Ramah writes, there are many fine, wonderful communities where the Kala has a veil over her face 
And as I said, the Adam look at it, and this was just what I did. I had her, I had her lift up the veil, and the Adam would look, looked at her. Um, now, I, obviously, that's not called staring at a beautiful woman, because they're doing it in order to confirm that the marriage is a remarriage, because they're the Adam of the marriage. There are other communities where um, they were not happy with this. And what they did was um, they would they would look at her right before the Kedushan. One more time. There's some places where they saw her, where she takes her veil off, and they know it's probably her, and that's good enough. Some said that taking the veil isn't good enough. Others say she needs to actually take the veil totally off before the ring is given. And that minig was the minig, not just lift the veil up, but to actually take the veil off, that you could see her face completely. That was the minig of, and here he has a title, Rabban Shal Yisrael, Marena of Aaron Kotler, Zechot Sadev Kodesh Vodrocha. So that was Rav Aaron's minig that she should, at least for that moment, her face is completely open. By the way, this afternoon, up until a couple of, about a couple of hours ago, was the yard site of uh, Rav Aaron Cutler. It was Rav Aaron Cutler who died in um, 19... Rav Belsky continues, Hanogim Sholagavos Peneyakala. Af Achar Shemesir Atzif Einam Mavitim Lo Shapra Avde. There are some who do not follow Rav Aaron Cutler's Minog, and the Adim are from Ox. They won't look at her. The Masada Kedushin says, okay, we're going to lift her face up. And the Adam are from guys, and they've got their faces down. They don't want to look at her. Says Rebelsky, that is wrong. Now, if they feel that they, they just can't bring themselves to stare at this woman, then they should not have accepted the responsibility to be witnesses. Nobody told him that. And you don't be so frum about these things. Many times a problem comes up when you give the we talked before about the kala imagining that it's worth more than it really is. But it's clearly meant to be a gift from the husband to the wife. And the husband needs to own it. He needs to be the complete owner. 
Many times it's like a family heirloom. That's really, let's say, the mother's. The mother needs to gift it to her son. Her son needs to own it completely. Before it's handed over or put on the finger of the kala. Sometimes you find out that the kala is wearing this ring and the chassan never really had complete ownership of it. So, this starts in, um, in Shulchan Aruch Evan Ezer. Let's say Ruvain goes to Shimon and says, Shimon, I'd like to borrow this beautiful ring or this object because I'd like to give it <coughs> to Leah for Kedushan. If Shimon hears that, even though the term that Ruvain used was borrowing, we say that Leia is Mikudeshus. Because why? That Shimon gives it to Ruvain as a matana. Because Shimon knows, hey, Ruvain, you want to use my thing for Kedushan? I know you said the word borrowing, but I, you probably mean I should give it to you in order for you to be totally yours. If, however, Ruvain did not tell Shimon what he needed it for, he didn't say it specifically at the time he borrowed it, then you're not sure. And you have to say that it's possible that Leah is not really married, but she's maybe it's a Suffolk Mikudeshus. The uh, that is what the that's from the rush. The Rashpa says a little bit different. He says if this occurs, you need to go and and, and do the marriage again. So, according to the Rashpa, it isn't even if you said. I want to borrow the ring for Kedushin. You have to be suspicious that Ruven, that Shimon didn't really give it to Ruven completely and you need to do the Kedushin a second time. Now, the Ravbelsky looked in the rush and he said that the rush who came to Spain from Germany, really agreed logically with the Rashba. Why? Because what did Ruven say to Shimon? Can I borrow it? He was never given to Ruven. And when Leah took it, at that moment, she might still have to give it back to, to Shimon. So why did the Rosh say Mikudeshas? Because he said, I came to Germany. I used, I'm sorry, I, 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 where I, 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 I come from Germany. And in Germany, that's what people did. Many times the Chosen gave Kedushin with a borrowed ring. 
and that and therefore that I came up with this idea, even though they use the word borrowing, they mean it that it should be owned. Um, the Achronim say that we should follow the Rashba. Even though in Shulchan Aruch it, it paskins like the Rosh. Because the Rosh himself was only trying to, to, to be matzik, the minig of Ashkenaz. But really we should hold like the Rashba that if that occurs you should, you don't want to embarrass what's going on but you should make uh, you should have a Kedushan in front of two Adam in a quiet way later. Now, the best way to stop this from happening is the Masader Kedushan needs to ask the Chosan, is this ring yours? Is it totally yours? And to say specifically, did you perhaps borrow it from someone? If you did say borrowing, what words did you use? So that's part of what the Masada Kedusha needs to know. Let's say it turns out that the wedding happens and they're already living together. And then it turns out the, the, the ring that she's wearing was given, let's say, like the case I said before, like the mother-in-law or, 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 or the, it was the family heirloom and they never made a real Kenyan to the husband. And now the husband's sitting there, they've been married a couple of weeks, and he's learning this halacha. He says, oh, we might not be really married. So he says, if it's already occurred past the wedding, it's not worthwhile coming up with these questions. Why? Because, first of all, there's some that say, you have the Rosh and what they did in Ashkenaz. That even though it was borrowed, your parents meant when they gave it to you for you to own it completely. The other reason is, is that they're living as man and wife together. So they're definitely married. <laughs> the fact is, is that they've slept together, they've been together. So it's like they have a chuppah already. So even though there might there might have been a problem with the Kedushin, Rav Belsky says, Chas v'sholom, panim. You shouldn't now raise the specter of a problem. They are married. They've been living together, even though technically... Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.